Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. In today's episode, we're going to discuss a few recent newsworthy items we think healthcare leaders should be considering. I'm here with Dynamic's Mindy McGrath and Ryan Hummel to talk about what's trending now. Ryan, what headlines have you been following lately? The U.S. just recently reviewed and renewed the COVID-19 public health emergency. So that really allows Americans to keep receiving free tests, vaccines, treatments, at least for the next three months or so. I think this one lasts until mid-July. We started this public health emergency in early 2020 when the coronavirus and the pandemic began. It continues to be renewed on each quarter, and it was set to expire on April 16th. The Department of Health and Human Services, under the Secretary Xavier Becerra, just renewed it. And when you think about the fact that there was plummeting COVID cases across the U.S. over the last two or three months, the virus is again on the rise again. We've seen specifically the northeast part of the United States account for many new cases. So we kind of knew this was coming. Yeah, I don't think it's unexpected, Rye, that we thought there would be an extension. When we think about why does it matter, in in addition to the rising COVID cases that we're seeing in this kind of second, third, fourth spike, you mentioned some of the access that it provides to Americans in terms of healthcare services that they need. I think what it has done, right, is it's enabled many more Americans to continue to access health insurance coverage under Medicaid and the Children's Health Insurance Program. The other thing is if if you think about when we first started this and went into lockdown mode, how steeply the increase in telehealth services adoption was. And so by renewing this, it continues to lift all of the requirements that were in place prior to the pandemic to enable the usage of healthcare or telehealth services. And, you know, I think for health plans who scurried pretty quickly along with providers to make sure that telehealth was in place for members and patients that were coming to them for care, this gives these organizations some time to start to think about how they they bring some structure to those telehealth services, because I think there was a real fear if the the public health emergency was lifted on April 16th, that not enough people would be educated on how to utilize telehealth services going forward. And that could result in denials of coverage. It could result in the lack of reimbursement. So just all in all could have had a major impact on patient experience, patient access, provider reimbursement. So I think that by extending this another 90 days with a 60-day notification that the the PHE may be lifted, it gives healthcare organizations some time to really plan to figure out how they smooth the transition into either preferred platforms and or clarify what reimbursement may look like. Another piece of news is a recent acquisition with GoodRx. They've completed an acquisition of a company called VitaCare. VitaCare is a pharmacy services platform. And what it'll allow GoodRx to do is to offer pharmaceutical manufacturers more information to improve patient access. And if there's one thing we know about providers of healthcare services in the US and abroad is that the whole idea is 
the better outcomes and better value will be had if companies can improve the end-to-end patient access and adherence to affordable drugs. And VitaCare and the combination with GoodRx's platform should enable that to happen in a more efficient, affordable, and transparent way. And GoodRx has been playing in the ecosystem around generic drugs for a long time, but this allows them to enter the affordable brand drugs as well. Right. I, I mean, I expect that this further strengthens GoodRx's rapidly growing investment into what they're calling their pharma manufacturer solutions offerings, which really are meant to help span medication awareness, access, and adherence with some unique capabilities. So what does that really mean? I think what GoodRx is trying to do is connect the dots in that patient journey, right? From postscript all the way through to access and medication in their hands, both for generics and for branded. And the reason why this matters is we can talk about abandonment rates. And I think there are some startling statistics about the number of prescriptions that are abandoned. So according to some studies from IQVIA, from the FDA, from Dr. First Data, only about half of the 500 million brand prescriptions that are written each year are actually ever filled. So when you think about that, that means that needed medications, right? Or physicians that think these are needed medications, patients are not getting them. And they may not be getting them primarily because of cost. I mean, we know that in these high deductible health plan structure that we have with more and more individuals being placed into those plans, that that exposure, right, to out-of-pocket costs can be really shocking and could be a reason to abandon actually fulfilling the, the prescription. So I think what GoodRx has tried to do, right, initially was to try to make things much more affordable for generic manufacturers. And now what they're moving into is trying to address affordability in the brand area. And that's been a huge barrier to access for, for many, many people. And it does impact medication adherence levels. And I think you, we've seen studies in the past that suggest when people are not adherent to their medication, guess where they end up, right? They end up back either with their physicians or in the ER or with much more acute conditions. I am interested in seeing where GoodRx goes with a complete pharma manufacturer solution because they're talking about things like savings card programs right? And having to navigate prior authorization requirements, all these different utilization management policies that payers put in place to try to ensure that people are accessing the right product at the right time, you know, for the right member. But there are also policies in place, such as the copay accumulator policies that payers have that might be really difficult for good RX to navigate around. So once again, it's those tensions, right, between payers trying to make sure that access is balanced and companies like GoodRx trying to ensure that access is really smooth for patients so they can get the medications they need. GoodRx continues to be a mover and shaker in trying to disrupt the pharmacy value chain. In other expansion news, a headline that I have been following has to do with Clarify Health, a company that has seen a huge breakout year in 2021 with 100% of revenue growth and over 75 of healthcare's largest and most influential organizations served. They recently have unlocked over $150 million to focus on value-based care initiatives. 
And this latest investment is really meant to accelerate the expansion of Clarify's healthcare intelligence offerings, which generate over 300 million annual patient journeys and 18 billion AI-powered predictions that providers, health plans, and life science companies could really use to make better care decisions, particularly as it comes to the value-based care space. You know, you mentioned this, this raise of 150 million. The new infusion of cash actually brings the total raise to almost 350 million. And why is that, right? Well, Clarify Health and their, and their tool uses cloud-based software to help create these value-based care contracts for providers and manage the financial performance and kind of digitize and automate the outcomes of, of said contracts. This is very, very important to clients beyond providers, health plans and life science companies as well. Health systems and hospitals specifically really do understand the need to go from a fee-for-service or transactional relationship with patients to fee-for-value and value-based care. And for years, we've moved the needle slowly but surely. Clarify Health is going to help us get from point A to point B or, or companies like Clarify Health, because what ultimately folks are hungry for is harmonized, consistent data that really shows how you were able to move your patient from point A to point B in a thoughtful way with the care that you're providing. So we're going to see more of these value-based care health analytics company get funded, and we're going to have to stay on top of these to see who are the winners and who fall behind. I would add another descriptor to the move to value-based care, and that is objectivity. Do you guys remember the, the movie Moneyball? It took the sports world by storm. But the idea behind Moneyball is not dissimilar to what Clarify is trying to do, right? It's, it's basically taking this idea of having analytical methods that predict outcomes in healthcare and using objectivity to assess the performance of hospitals and clinicians and precisely identifying the right interventions and therapies for patients. So I think what this platform sets up to do is providing scale that creates the capability then to pay for health quality and outcomes more accurately and more fairly. This is, like you said, Ryan, I think just the beginning of these types of organizations that we are going to see continuing to emerge that produce that type of harmonizing data that then lends itself to transitioning from fee-for-service into that fee-for-value area that we continue to talk about as emerging. Beyond keeping track of the latest headlines in healthcare news, one thing that definitely has kept us busy over the last month is taking stock of all of the reports that have come in across the healthcare sectors in terms of Q1 performance, 2021 performance. There's just a lot to digest. So we wanted to call out a few of the most impactful reports that we've seen over the last month. The first having to do with the 2021 revenue of the top 20 pharma companies. So the Fierce Pharma released their 2021 report of the world's top 20 pharmaceutical companies ranked by their 2021 revenues. Notably, 12 of these had at least 10% growth and five of them saw their sales boom at least by 40%, which is huge. Pfizer nearly doubled their top line. 
J&J saw a 14% increase, which kept them in that top spot for, you know, another year in a row. And there are some notable gains from companies like AbbVie, who went up almost a quarter in their revenue without a COVID-19 medication, but of course with uh, Humira, which saw $20 billion in revenue in 2021 for the first time. And Merck, which was able to see a really large revenue increase thanks in large part to their Keytruda sales. And this all is not particularly surprising when we take into context another report that showed that our nationwide drug spending grew almost by 8% in 2021. And it's expected to continue growing this year, another four to 6%. So in terms of the actual numbers, that's just shy of $577 billion in 2021. And in a $4 trillion healthcare system, it, it doesn't seem that big actually, but in the interest of fair balance, you know, I think top line revenue is great. It's good to talk about growth, if we really started to uncover and unpack the details and think about how money flows through the system, I think it's important for us to really be thinking about things like gross to net on a per unit basis and what that tells us and the other part of the story it tells because pharma companies are, yes, seeing a lot of revenue, but we also have to re realize that part of the contracting process and the way that medications make that their way into the marketplace is through these relationships with PBMs and payers where pharma companies may have to pay upwards of about 65% on a per unit basis in the form of rebates. So, you know, headline news in terms of, of other growth areas, let's talk about United Health Group, who in the first quarter alone in 2022 reported $80 billion in revenue. That is a tremendously large number. And I think as, as we continue to see companies like United grow in scale and basically scoop up other large entities like LHC Group, we're going to continue to see those numbers gain traction as well. While we're staying on the numbers, the U.S. life expectancy actually fell two full years in the year 2020. And it may not be surprising given the high mortality rates that older Americans have experienced who've contracted COVID. But I think that it's important to mention because against its peer group and other developed nations, it was a more drastic drop in life expectancy. And we've talked for years in this podcast around like the ultimate telltale sign of outcomes and impact are the quality of life and life expectancy itself is worth noting that there was a real distinct decrease in life expectancy. We always talk about the aging of the population, right? Because we have this very large segment that's starting to age into what we would classify as the senior demographic. And we talk about it in the context of the impact that it has on programs such as Medicare and Medicaid I don't know that we really know right now what life expectancy falling by two years really means in context of these two programs, but we will see how those economics and the economic modeling probably play out in the next year when CMS reports to the trust what this type of loss of life in this particular demographic could mean to the overall 
ongoing nature of, of expenditures in these programs. So it's the loss of life piece of it, but then I think it's also that impact piece of it when we talk about programs that have really been established to support individuals that are in this age bracket. Definitely a lot to digest this past month in healthcare news. As always, we know the only constant in this industry is change. I can't wait to hear what we're talking about next month. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.